Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Isn't it good to be back, fellas? I tell you, all this off-season I've talked about, I'm not really feeding it on. The NFL's back, whoopee-doo. Took about five minutes after six o'clock yesterday, and I was back into it big style. Welcome, everybody, to a review of week number one of the NFL season. Let's welcome the boys in tonight. Josh, how you doing, pal? I'm great, mate. Yeah, I was the same as you. Pretty much as soon as six o'clock's rolled around, I'm on a train from Houston back to Birmingham to see you and some of the other lads down at uh, Walkabout for our meetup. And I am using 4G internet, which if you use it nowadays to try and stream anything, you'll realize that it is the slowest and most bittiest thing imaginable. Trying to squint at Kobe Brissett making like a two-yard pass. And I've got that on a packed train for like two hours hours before i'm able to actually see it got there for half time thank god but uh no all worth it in the end and isn't it just so good to have the nfl back it's just great it is indeed mate it really is steve how you doing pal yeah you know the uh as soon as the inactives come out as soon as the team start releasing all of their inactives for the for the game week about an hour and a half beforehand that's when you know it's back that's when you know it's coming um, and all of the uh, all of the social pages and all of the content starts coming, and you know that game week is almost upon us. And then when those glorious moments when Scott Hansen says his line, and then we're back in, we're back in for seven hours of ad-free football, ladies and gents. And boy, what a seven hours it was! It really was for me, though. Before we jump on, just coming on to you know when it feels real. Um, for me, it's the CBS music. It's never changed. It's always the same. And that theme, as soon as it comes on for the first time in what feels like seven years, you think, oh, yes, there we go. Just fill that. That should be my ringtone going forward because it just unbridled joy hits the face. Yeah, I did have that as my ringtone once upon a time. So there's a story for you. Yeah. Yeah, you, should you should definitely download it, mate. But um yeah, like I say, we are back to review all of the week's actions. We're actually back live, so if anybody is listening along, watching along live, welcome in. By all means, interact with us. Um, we'll pop your comments up on the screen. If you've got any questions, we'll try and take them as much as we can. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to interacting with everybody over the course of the season. But we've said, fellas, in general terms, it's great to have football back. Lovely to have it back. Steve, give us one thing in particular you really love this week. Oh, I mean, where else is there a star other than just the absolute chaos of it all? There was about 800 missed kicks. There was, you know, there was uh, touchdowns aplenty. Um, there was a game that felt like it was being played in a lake in Chicago. Um, just absolute chaos. This is what we love. This is the drama and the intensity and the, the madness that we love in the NFL. And there was just so many storylines. There wasn't any, like... There wasn't any real blowouts. There was no teams that really ran away with it, really. And there was no teams that, that there was a few teams that looked pretty bad, but there was no teams that really like stank out the place. I felt like most most of the teams in the NFL gave a, a fairly decent account of themselves. And there's some really, really good and really high scoring games in there as well. And and I think 
what what week one really showed was was just how much quality there is in the league as well. There was a few players that really went off. You know, some of the wide receivers really, really went off and had some big, big days. You know, guys like Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson had himself a day. Um, uh, AJ Brown of the Eagles had himself a, a real day, which I, I read the stat that uh, not not including rookies, it's the most receiving yards any player's ever had on a new team in the history of the NFL on his debut. So, you know, some real, real incredible performances out there in, in week one. But just the, the chaos of it all, so, but just when you thought a, another kicker couldn't miss a kick, you'd clip the red zone would clip to another game and there'd be another t- kick lining up like a chip shot, like a 23-yarder, and they'd shank it right. And you'd be like, how have you missed that? The, the Tennessee one for me. Like they get they, they get two defensive penalties to keep the drive going to lend the end the game. They're down twenty one to twenty. All they need to do is a quick chip shot, and he shanked it, and it and they lost the game to the Giants. I could not believe it. Um, but you know there was plenty of them. There was some successful kicks, as you guys will be very very pleased with. Um, you know that one from Kid York was an absolute missile to win the game. Um, but there was also some very very unsuccessful kicks, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But Wow, what a week of action to come back to. Yeah, it certainly was. He's kind of sat on the fence a bit there, Josh. I said give me one thing, and he's reeled off several, and I can't disagree with any of them, to be fair. He's pure chaos, it's pure madness, it's why we love it. But uh, give us a moment, mate, from your weekend. What did you love from the NFL? Yeah, I was I was gonna say, did he actually leave anything for the rest of us to pick up there? <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got my three options here, and I'm like, right, that's the first one gone. And then I'm like, it's all right, you can only talk about one second option, uh, and then the third option, thinking, well, he, that's there's two of you and there's three options. Uh, no, for me, I mean again, I lean into the chaos. But it's the fact that so many games went late, so many games went deep. Five games were decided by either a, a, a game-winning sc- score within two minutes of regulation, or went to overtime. You know, that's the that's tied for the third most in a week one ever in the NFL. And if you look at who did it, so Cleveland with the you know the last ten seconds against Carolina. Pittsburgh getting the win against Cincinnati, um, the Colts and Houston tying. Who who on earth saw that one happening? And when you consider as well that Indianapolis and in fact the next two teams that are real off as well, New Orleans beating Atlanta and the Giants beating the Texans, those three at the end, those three games are part of four games that overcame ten plus point deficits to win or tie. You know that's that's massive. Um, and when you consider the fact that Carolina also came back from a 14-point deficit as well, to um, so, sorry, a 13-point deficit to go ahead just before Cade York's winner as well, you know, games are running deep in week one. You know, week one, you usually get the odd blowout. You get the odd, um, you know, real mismatch game, which, to be honest with you, some of these might well be the case, but you don't usually see them come up really close like this and you know going on to going on to red zone i mean we were watching red zone after celebrating our our victory and then straight away there's action to come up straight away with a with a game-winning kick or you know there's been another miss or a touchdown just happened to bring the game level etc it you know what a what a night what what an advert for the nfl if someone brand new was brought into the sport yesterday and was just sat down in front of Red Zone. You've got a fan for life there. Just get them a team. 
That's 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 all that would be needed. Yeah, most definitely. Like I say, really difficult to disagree um, with both of the points that you both made. I'll be a little bit more specific, and I'll I'll give you one from me, and that's a welcome back to Michael Thomas. Yeah. Michael Thomas. We talked about Justin Jefferson and Adams and all of these wide receivers. I'd forgotten about Michael Thomas, genuinely forgotten that the bloke existed. It's been two years nearly now since he's actually been on the field. Last time he was consistently on the field, he was breaking the NFL receptions record. Um, and his stat line yesterday wasn't particularly one that jumps off the page, certainly in comparison to some of the ones that Steve mentioned um, when he was talking about it. But to actually firstly just see him back on the field and secondly make the plays that he did, his final stat line, five um, receptions, 57 yards, two touchdowns, three of those five catches were absolute highlight real plays. His two touchdown grabs were fantastic. The first one, excellent use of the feet and good body control. The second one, you know, he uses his body to shield the defender. It's a brilliant back shoulder throw from James Winston to find him. But again, he controls the ball all the way down to the ground. Um, and then he, he ran a fade route, which was brilliant down the sideline, um, got some separation, clung that one in on his fingertips. If he can get anything like back to the player that he was, we've already talked about this New Orleans team potentially being a little bit of a dark horse. I know some people have actually got them potentially as divisional favourites. Um, yeah, but certainly if they can keep this, this level of play up from that wide receiver core, Jarvis Landry had an excellent debut for them yesterday, seven for 114 for Jarvis. Um, Chris Alave is obviously coming as a rookie. They'll be expecting more contributions from him throughout the course of the season. But like I say, it was just great to actually see him back on the field. You actually forget about how talented this guy is. And like I say, what an absolute weapon he certainly can be. Um, and an extra dimension to that New Orleans passing attack that, like I say, it's been missing for the last couple of years. We always do it though, fellas, and everybody's been doing it today. All of your American talk shows and you know your sports radio coverage, it's always known as overreaction Mondays, and it week one, everybody overreacts. And I'm going to do exactly that. I've made three convincing arguments to myself today, and we'll go through them chronologically. We'll have a bit of a conversation about all of them. Now you may well think that these have got no chance of happening. You may well tell me that I'm completely overreacting. But I picked out three statements from my thought process this morning. We're just going to have a bit of a, a chat about them based on what we saw yesterday. So the first argument I've got is that the Cowboys will finish last in the NFC East because they were absolutely dreadful last night. And with Dak Prescott being injured, they're only going to get worse. We'll then talk about the horrendous conference that is the AFC South that somehow managed, even with an interconference game, to end up with no winners this weekend which has surely got to be a unbelievable stat on its own that that's actually happened. But all of those teams either losing or tying with each other. Um, so could we actually see a divisional winner with a sub-500 record? And then the final one is Aaron Rodgers, for me, will finish this season with a career low sub-20 touchdown passes. His lowest in, the, in his career when he's played the full season has been 25 I think he goes lower than that because who on earth is actually catching that ball in Green Bay? Because there was nobody catching it yesterday, that's for sure. So there are my three overreactions to week one. Jen, Steve, take us through the NFC East, mate, because your boy's got a nice win to open up the season, although that ended up being a little bit tighter than you may well have wanted to. But let's talk about the Cowboys. I think they're going to finish last in this division, mate. 
I think I can see it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't. Everyone else in the division won a game, which in the NFC East doesn't happen very often. So the fact that the uh, even the like I said, the Giants beating the the Titans was a was a shock to me. I didn't see that coming, and and I think they tried their best to lose it. Daniel Jones was not great in that game, um, but they came away with the W. And and the Dallas going to week two, the only team on own one. Um, you know, you're always going to say that, that the Bucks are a tough, tough opponent while Tom Brady was out there. 45-year-old Tom Brady, the first time ever there's been a 45-year-old starting QB in the NFL. Um, you know, he wasn't incredible, but <laughs> had the fact that, in that he's 45, he looked like a, a younger version of himself, for sure. Um, but I think what's really concerning with the Cowboys is, you know, there was a lot of talk last year about their defense and how, you know, guys like Trayvon Diggs and, Mika Parsons were going to carry that defense this year if they can keep playing like they did. But no one really focused on their offense. And we talked about this a little bit in the offseason about how, you know, they lost Amari Cooper, um, a couple more pieces of offense left in free agency. And now you've got um, a, an off- offensive line that is weaker. Um, Lael Collins is a big loss. Um, Tyron Smith has got a big injury and he's going to be out for, for I think, eight to ten games, something like that. Um, you know, so that's two big pieces gone. And I think, Whilst that whilst that Cowboys O line over the last couple of years has been good, it's not it's not deep, so that O line is has been rejigged, and I just don't think they really have an answer for it. And I think what it's shown us so far, and again, it's week one. You everything we say after week one, you have to take it with a pinch of salt because it's week one, and teams are still trying to figure everything out. But if we're going to have some crazy reactions, this Cowboys offense, when that O line is bad, is bad. Like the, like you said, Dak Prescott looks looked poor. And will now be out for, I think, four to six weeks. I think one of the NFL analysts have got it at. There's something to do with his thumb almost two years to the day since he had that awful ankle injury. So, yet again, Dallas is going to be without starting QB for, for a number of weeks. Um, I've read literally 20 minutes ago that their plan is to go with Cooper Rush, um, who, you know, is, as far as backup score, he's hardly lighting the field of light, is he? Um, you know, and and you know, last year the the, the offense was good enough to carry a, a, a you know, I mean, Andy Dalton tried his best to be awful last year, but the offense was good enough to carry a, a, a backup quarterback through. That offensive line was good. You had the the, the one two punch of uh, Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and then you had that that amazing wide receiver trio. Now, two of the three wide receivers are gone. CD Lamb, you know, had some had some flashes in the game, but he can't do it all himself. Um, Zeke's a year older. You know they don't have Dak as the as the main man. And how does that offense come back from that? You know they they looked toothless. They scored three points, no touchdowns at home. And to top it all off, their fans were throwing stuff at Dak Prescott as he ran down the tunnel. That's, Dallas fans were throwing things at Tom. At Dak, at Dak. Oh, I've just seen it. I've literally it's just taken wow. a look on Twitter. It's the first thing it's, I see. Oh, it's week wow, one, guys. It's week one. Um, but yeah, it's it, it you know, and I think you look at the um, the, the some of the games that these the potentially the Cowboys are gonna uh, be without uh, Dak Prescott for. Um, you know, next week, next week they have uh, Cincinnati, tough game, and then they've got a divisional game. Um, they go up to MetLife to play the Giants, and then another divisional game against Washington, and then they host the Rams. So they go to the Rams, and then they go to Philadelphia. So there's three, all three divisional games within the first six weeks of the season. And you imagine Dak Prescott's going to be out for all of those. Um, can they win any of those games without Dak? You know, you've got to be looking at the New York and the Washington games as the games where they can pick up wins. And if this Dallas team starts two and four, 
are they are they going to come back with that when you know how long is that going to be out? We don't know. But even when it showed last night, even when Dak's in, there's you know it's still not a, a sure thing that they're going to be going to be winning the division. So yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that they certainly could go uh, finish bottom of the, of the division. I think that's an interesting take. Yeah, Josh, I'll pose the question to you in a slightly different um, manner. Is it a ridiculous take? In as much as you just don't have enough confidence in the other teams in the division, because I think Steve's quite summarised it quite well there. You know, this this team, you look at it, you know, not a lot of weapons there outside of CD. Lamy had eleven targets yesterday and only caught two balls. You know, I think everybody knows that you're just going to have double team CD Lam, and, and essentially that's the offense taken care of. You know, there's a lot of hype about Tony Pollard. There always seems to be hype about Tony Pollard, but he's been there now three, four years. He's never had a big role. He had six attempts yesterday managed eight yards with a lung of nine. So it tells you all you need to know about the amount of tackles for a loss that he suffered because of that offensive line having more holes than a sieve, as Steve has quite rightly said. So is this take more to do with the fact that you just think it's a weak division that you initially would sort of turn your nose up at it to think now there's no way that's going to happen as opposed to this Cowboys team actually giving you confidence? I mean, first of all, can we not hit the panic button on this just yet? No, Um, we're going to overreact, mate. That's what it's all about. I I can understand the panic button existing, but just because it's big, it's shiny and it's red does not mean that we have to press it. But (laughs) just to explain my thinking, first of all, if you didn't have this as a blowout victory for the Bucks and you've just not been paying attention... You know, this was always going to be a bit of a rout for the Bucks, and I actually think that that, that Dallas, for you know, at least uh, a fair bit of it on defense, if nothing else, actually did stand up and was counted a little bit. Uh, so I do think that they give you at least some hope that if you can just get something going, they're going to have to rejig their identity slightly uh, to be able to cope for the fact that they're going to now be headed up with. I can't believe I'm saying this with Cooper Rush for two months. Um, it's seven to eight weeks, apparently. Dak Prescott suffered a Bennett fracture on his hand. Um, and seemingly, the, the injury looked flipping benign at the time. It, it was it was a hand tip. It was it was like a hand hold, almost. Um, and yet, that's got him out for two months. Um, but if you actually go through who they've got over those two months, like, um, like Steve suggests, let's take a quick look at it. So, Bucks... You know, I I had that as the Bucks all day long. Bengals, Dallas, you know, I had that as Bengals all day long. Then you've got the Giants and the Commanders, of which, you know, those are the games which you need to be able to step up with. But realistically, you know, you're probably looking at similar level teams at this point now, you know, if you take the QB away. So that's, a, that's at the very least a 50-50 shot. And then you've got uh, the Rams, the Eagles, those I had as, uh, as victories against. And then the Lions and the Bears and then a bye week. You know, so there are four winnable games there that take you to four and four. I had them as four and four in any case. So let's say they go three and let's say they go three and five or even two and six. They could still well be on for eight to nine wins on on the return back. Of which do, do, you, do you think that Washington's going to get anywhere near six games, even? Do you think that the Giants are going to get anywhere near six? The thing is, I mean, I, I don't mean to turn this into a sort of a, an anti-Dallas segment, but like, let's not pretend that all is well in Dallas. I've just read that they, they've obviously got Dak under contract with this enormous contract, $45 million. They're 29th in cash spending this year. 
29th. You've got Dal- you've got the guy in the building. You've got the man that you've- you're building the right franchise around. You're not spending any money to put any weapons around him. So this yeah. is what's going to happen when that guy goes down. You haven't got the roster. I would argue that the New York and Washington's rosters are not too far removed from Dallas. I thought New York and Washington actually added some decent pieces in the offseason. Um, but let's not pretend that Dallas is just going to go four and four or even three and five. And it's no, not absolutely not. But let's not pretend that Washington and and New York are actually great shakes at the moment. Even with the Giants winning on Sunday, they did not look great. And And Washington limped to that win. Yeah, of course. And I'm not saying that that either of those are going to be sort of divisional winners. I think it's going to be a a, a dogfight in the NFC East, as it always is. But then off their bye week, they go to Green Bay and then to Minnesota. That's two really tough games to come off the bye week where Dak might be back and, and playing his first games potentially of pretty much of the season again yeah. you know so that's two really tough games to come back to and you know I'd, I'd be a bit concerned if, if 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 I was a Dallas fan just because where do we go from here and I think questions you know if the, if they get to week nine and they're let's say two and six at week nine on the bye week are questions being asked of Mike McCarthy does he get a free hit because Dak's gone down like does it, you know? Oh, Dak's yeah. gone down. Sorry, we can't. We can't do anything with the head coach. I think. I think Dallas fans are a bit bored of the mediocrity that McCarthy offers. You know, and you yeah. look at some of the, the the rookie head coaches around the league. I think of the of the eight of the ten were in in action red zone. I think of the eight, something like five of them won rookie yeah. coaches. So rookie coaches are doing you know are doing well around the league. And Mike McCarthy sat there stealing a living. So I don't think Jerry Jones is in the business of excuses, to be honest, especially no, at this point. And, you know, he's definitely someone to throw and throw someone else under the bus. You know, don't don't get me wrong. When I say what I say, I don't mean that the Cowboys lifestyle currently is very rosy. I think that before the season even started, questions were raised about their roster, the future planning, the fact that Mike McCarthy is on thin ice, all the rest of it. I just I look at Washington and New York and I see five to six wins each. Yeah. I think that Dallas still have enough, especially with the running after those games, which you mentioned after the bye. You know, there's five winnable games there with Dak easy. Yeah, true. Yeah, after that, it's a case of get. You know, the the answer here isn't are they going to get into the playoffs. The question here is are they better than Washington and New York even still now? And that's with two months of somebody else coming in. I say yes. We shall wait and see. We shall wait and see. I'm, I'm still fairly convinced with my argument that, yeah, I think the Cowboys are pretty poor, I've got to say, and we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah, I think you've just answered my question to you at the end there, Josh. I think it's more your confidence or lack of confidence in the others than any confidence you've actually got in yeah. the Cowboys. You said don't panic, so I'm going to put you on the hotspot then and let you try and make four franchise fan base you'd panic because I don't think any team in the in the AFC South is going to end up with a winning record. What say you? I found something red here. I'm not pressing the panic button. My finger's <laughs> over it, but I'm not pressing the button. Um, no. I, look, week one throws up all sorts of nonsense, right? It happens every year. And evidently, you know, you, you've come up with some good ones here, to be fair. This is this is one where it's going to be close. Um, before the start of the season, I did my run through of you know every team's predictions, and stupidly enough, the first game of the season, I had Indianapolis and Houston tied. <laughs> I don't know why I put it. 
I seriously don't know why I put it, but it's there. It's there. I have the Colts at nine, seven, and one for some random reason, and uh, the Titans at ten and seven, of which it wasn't the Giants that they lost to, but it was somebody equally terrible. I think I had them losing a game to the Texans at some point. So you know, I'll, I'll just switch that around. So I still have two teams with winning records here. It's going to be close. Uh, it's going to come down to within a game or so, but I I have faith that the Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year, let's not forget, it's. I think that a lot is said about their current predicament, but even with a crap hand last year, they still ended up with a you know the top seed in the conference. I think that a little bit more respect needs to be put on the name. It was a you know the Titans were comfortable until they weren't you know it was it it was a shock and a real punch to the mouth the fact that the giants even got close let alone won that game i'm not pushing the panic button on this one and i don't think that anybody else should either steve what say you pal do you reckon any of them end up with a winning record i mean from what i saw i think you know the the colts looked pedestrian to say the least you know matt ryan's longest throw went for 28 yards on the day you know we've said you know, the, the Colts seemingly have tried this now for the last three or four years, haven't they? They've brought in different veteran quarterbacks and essentially, you know, they're all ageing and they're at that stage of the career where the previous franchise has wanted to move on for them for some reason. So why the Colts think they're the answer, who knows? Um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor's going to get his yards. You know, he looked as good as ever yesterday. Um, but we said all, all off-season on, didn't we? You know, there's not much there in terms of the passing game, in terms of receivers to throw to outside of Michael Pittman, who had himself a nice enough day. I think elsewhere in the division, you know, you'd look at it, you know, Tennessee, we've said, lost a lot of pieces throughout the course of the season. You know, the AJ Brown trade was huge. Um, and obviously, when you look at Houston and you look at Jacksonville, you're just assuming that they're teams that are in rebuilding mode. Um, although, again, I've got to say, impressed with some of, the, some of the bits and pieces I saw again from Davis Mills yesterday. Um, you know, that team seemingly a lot more competitive than people want to give it credit for. And the, the OJ Howard pickle potentially is a shrewd piece of business. So what do you say, mate, in terms of the AFC South overall? It's like it's like when Andrew looked retired, he cursed the Colts because they just don't seem to be able to get over the hump. Um, the last time the Colts won a season opener, Jonathan Taylor was in eighth grade. That's how long it's been since the Colts have won a season opener. And yesterday... If, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm worried about how they played yesterday. That all-line was dreadful. And for an all-line, for a Frank Wright team, or an all-line where you've got guys like Quinton Nelson, that's, you know, they're supposed to be a good, solid all-line. Frank Wright comes from the from the school of, of Andy Reid, where they, you know, they're, they're building the trenches and they, you know, they, they sure up the quarterback. Matt Ryan had no time at all. And even Matt Ryan looked nervous. And that's not something you associate with 37-year-old veteran Matt Ryan. Um, and yeah, I, the, the Colts the Colts alarmed me yesterday. They they didn't look like a team that could take this AFC South crown comfortably. We we talked in the offseason, I think, in this this is one of those divisions where there's two good teams and there's two bad teams. I think we all are comfortable with the idea that the, the Jaguars and the Texans are gonna be the you know, the bottom dwellers and the, the Colts and the and the um and the Titans are gonna be the ones fighting it out. But after yesterday, I don't know if that holds true anymore. I think the Jaguars had moments, and I and I, you know, the Doug Pedersen factor aside, I sort of want the Jaguars to perform because, you know, um, Trevor Lawrence was in in the 
college in college for what felt like about eight years. He finally came to the NFL. He gets drafted by the bloody Jaguars, and it feels like his career might be a bit wasted. And I really hope he does come good. And they, you know, they added so much talent, but they look like they've got a lot of things to work on. Things just weren't quite clicking for them yesterday. Had a couple of good players, but yeah, the things weren't quite clicking. And 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 even then, you know, um, Trayvon Walker had a lovely interception from Carson Wentz. That was such an athletic play, and I thought Carson Wentz was going to do his best to give his best. Carson Wentz full experience for the for the commanders on his first start for them, but he got the job done with some lovely throws, I must say, as well. Um, you know, so the, the Jaguars will be the Jaguars. The Texans are one of these teams, I think, like the Lions, I'm watching the Eagles yesterday, I got to see the Lions. The Lions are one of these teams where no one really expects anything of them. They've got a young team, um, they've got a, um, a, a new head coach, and they're all playing for him, and they're playing hard. And I think that's exactly what um, that's exactly what the Texans were doing yesterday, and I think they, you know, their, their defense looked good in spurts. I think they really upset that that Colts O line, um, and and you know, I think the Texans almost deserve to win the game. Um, it's almost a shame they didn't. And again, once again, Ty should be banned. Ty shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I like to say, no, a great tie then, is to be appreciated. Not not allowed. And then yeah, and then you know, you you then you come to the Titans, you threw it away in the last moment against the the Giants of all teams. I think it is week one jitters. I think someone will come back. You know, we looked at you look at the, the running last year when the, the Colts almost gave the Titans a run for their money in the end of it. I think you know the these two teams, there's too much talent in the rosters for um uh, for for one of them not to come good, but what rather than none of them finish to a, finishing with a positive record, what I would I would push it push it back to you, Sean, and ask you: Do you think one of either Vrabel or uh, Frank Reich would be fired before the end of the season? Because these are two teams where they're constantly competing for that AFC South title, but neither of them does anything beyond that. And I think are they are they then going to be? Is this the time? This is the time. You know, there was talk of Frank Reich last season. There was talk of it, of it not, and they managed to pull it all together. Could this be the season? Could this be the one? You know, the the, the Titans were the FC number one seed last year. Yeah, Josh is determined not to push this panic button. I'm actually it? pushing it. Are you actually <laughs> pushing it? I'm, I'm, pu- I'm pushing it for Vrabel. Yeah, look, I, I think it could be either of them. I genuinely do. I think Steve Ray's a really valid point there because, like you said, they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to have a, a poor season to a sort of four and. 13 type level that's just going to get them fired based on the record in the season. I think, like you say, that the level of expectation is that these sides should be making the playoffs. They should be having postseason, deep postseason runs, and neither of them um, you would look at at the minute and, and have any confidence that they're going to be able to deliver on that. You know, the Titans, yes, they were the number one seeds last year, but obviously got dumped out in the first round that they entered into the playoffs. Um, they never convinced anybody as the number one seeds heading into it last off season, last postseason. Um, so yeah, I, I can certainly see that happening. Just a couple of shout outs on the on a couple of the games yesterday. Whilst we're talking about them, welcome back Saquon Barkley as well. Massive return from injury for him yesterday. Great to see and take a bow, take Crowder, because my word, did he light up Derrick Henry on one of those hits? Oh, and normally see the Derrick Henry highlight reel of him sending somebody else flying, but he actually took a hell of a hit. Um, so, yeah, really good win for New York. Brian Dable, dance all night, my friend. That's all I can say. That was a proper dad dance in the locker room as well. Really, <laughs> really, really enjoyed seeing that because uh, that was a ballsy call as well in your in your you know your opening game as a head coach to go for that two-pointer. 
Um, you know, there, there were plenty of kicking issues yesterday, but many a coach would have took the safer option of trying to kick the PAT and play for overtime. Fair play today, but he grabbed the ball by the horns and obviously got his just rewards. The final one then, fellas, and I'll walk us through my thought process for this one, is Aaron Rodgers is going to have a career low year. His current low is 25 touchdown passes on a season. That was on a 16-game season. This is obviously a 17-game season, which it was last year. He only actually played in 16, though, again, because he obviously had already locked up the number one seed. But this is a passing attack that, oh, my word, what what is this passing attack? Who is actually going to catch the ball in Green Bay? Christian Watson, there was a lot of talk coming out of the draft about, you know, was it a bit of a reach? And my word, he dropped an absolute doozy of a, a touchdown, didn't he? He was walking into the end zone, but he let the ball slip through his fingers. We've often seen this from Green Bay where, you know, Aaron Rodgers has basically just looked at Devontae Adams for an entire game because he's had no faith and no trust in anybody else that's been there whether that be Valdez Scantling, whether that be Alan Lazard, whether it be Amari Rogers, who they drafted last year and obviously never really worked him into the offensive game plan. You know, you look at what he's working with this year, you've got Romeo Dubes, Christian Watson taking in the draft. Now, they combined yesterday for a grand total of six receptions for 69 yards between them, um, which just isn't going to get the job done. They abandoned the running game. Aaron Jones only ended up with five carries. Five carries for 49 yards. These stats annoy me when I see such an efficient running game that he's averaging a first down every time the bloke touches the ball, yet you're only giving him five times. Winds me up something rotten. Um, but I think, again, there are serious, serious issues here for Green Bay. The offensive line is banged up. You know, don't know how long that the tackles are going to be able. Bakhtari was obviously missing again yesterday. Um, I think there was also an injury on the interior of the line. Rogers was seemingly pressured a lot. He took four sacks, some big sacks as well. Zadarius Smith seemed to really be up for it yesterday um, from a Minnesota perspective. Although there was one hit where four Vikings converged on Rogers, and it was a horrible, horrible looking hit. Um, you know, and all joking aside, if that's the level of protection he's going to get, it may well be a career low in terms of touchdown passes because he just won't be on the field for a full season because he'll be missing time injured. It does, you know, really play into it. Um, so a really, really disappointing opening for Green Bay, seven points. It should be pointed out that actually this is the fourth season now of Matt LaFleur and they've scored three, three and seven points in week ones through his tenure. So, Josh... Probably get your padding button ready because I know you're going to tell me to calm down and Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine. All right. But oh, he's pressing it. Go on then, mate. Tell me I'm right. Aaron Rodgers, tell me I'm right. This is a shocking passing offense, isn't it, mate? It, uh, it, it was epitomized in the first half with that Watson, um, in, that, that Watson TD reception that never was. So we're in walkabout. I think you went to get a drink or you were consoling some poor Bengals fans at this point. And um, I, I'm looking at it and I'm actually, you know, clapping this touchdown that definitely happened because Watson even almost has like a little swaggy. You know how like some players slow down as they get to the end zone and, you know, do a little bit of a... You know, they they get something a bit on. So I'm, I'm there thinking, God, this is a, this is a guy that's just come in and you know he's swaggering in front of you know vikings fans this is this is low-key dangerous turns out he never had the ball in his hand like what 
Um, but I think at that point, and then you start seeing Rogers get incredibly irate. Apparently, all that Ayuska wasn't enough to um, to keep him level and zen during the game because pretty much all that he did was piss and moan on the sideline. It's very obvious that the uh, the Packers' O line is not as good as it has been in previous years, and because you don't have the wide out attack of which you have in previous years. You know, he's having to hold on to the ball for longer, which means he's making worse decisions as well. I think it was one of the worst games I've seen Rodgers play in a long time. There is a caveat with the panic button, though, which is that the Packers got absolutely creamed in their first game last year as well against the Saints and then came back and was on perfect form. However, this is not the same Packers team. Um, You know, at least in that first week, you got to see some sort of sprouts of you know at least something working in their favor that there was nothing to celebrate in that game yesterday it's dangerous and when we're talking touchdown passes of which is your actual prediction here i actually think that greenberg has to run it into the end zone a lot more because i don't think you can trust these wideouts I, i don't think you're going to be able to trust them on these fades or anything like that when they get really low down it's going to have to be your feet so yeah i can you give me a nice wide berth with 20 touchdown passes here. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd stick with you on that one. I'll hit the panic button. 20, 20 sounds really low, but when you think about it, you know, this is a guy that regularly puts up 30, 35. Now, here's a guy. Yeah, here's a guy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But he does consistently put them up. But, Steve, you know, you, you probably saw, obviously, bits and pieces of this one in the light window as well yesterday. What, what was your take on it? Because, you know, again, like so. You, you almost expect Green Bay to find the answers, but again, it's similar to what I said about Dallas. You just the name sort of makes you think they will get it sorted, but you just look at the actual roster and you think, well, how are they going to get it sorted? I don't know how Watson didn't catch that ball. It was harder to not catch it than to catch it. <laughs> I, I just I, I I don't know how he didn't catch it. Like I, I was the same as you, Josh. I was watching it. I was like, that's a lovely touchdown. And it yeah. just goes straight through his arms, and I was like. I don't know how. How are you? Why how long did it take you to realise it? Because for me, like, it was like the next play, and I'm like, why are they lining back up? Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, I think, I think with this, it's one of those pump the brake situations because this has happened before, and this is just how Green Bay works. Now, obviously, the big difference this time around is they haven't got Devontae Adams to bail them out of it all. And they also haven't got Marcus Valdez Scantling to build them out either. So there's two big, you know, it's not just, it wasn't just the Devontae Adams show, like it, he was a big part of it. But they've also lost Valdez Scantling, who was one of his, go- another one of his go to guys. Now, one of the big things to remember is that Alan Lazar didn't play. He was a last minute call, didn't play, had an ankle injury. And that's a big loss for Green Bay. Like he's their number one guy this season. He didn't play. Um, what is baffling is the fact that their leaving, leading receiver was AJ Dillon. Not even one of the wide receivers, or even a tight end. It was AJ Dillon. Now I know the running game in the NFL is 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 evolving, and a lot of teams now use the running backs as this Swiss Army knife of you know they've got to catch the ball and they've got to run with it. So I get that they use Dillon, and he is that kind of back. He's a really good sort of multi-tool back. But to, to be the leading receiver in in a game like this is is worrying, and I think. This uh, to flip it over. I, I I'm not ready to, to call time on the Packers just yet. I think they will get it together, and I think Rogers is too good to not. And also Matt Lafleur as well. I think Matt Lafleur is a great head coach. I think he, they're too good to not get it together. 
And I think these receivers will come good. I think that stat you said, Sean, about how um, how they've scored like three, ten, and seven points in their week one games under under Matt Lafleur um, is important. Like, they take time to get going, and these receivers—they're all new. They're going to take time to learn Rogers' way of playing and what he expects of them. I think they will come good. One thing I will say, just quickly to flip it over: what an entrance from Minnesota. This oh, yeah. was a this was a statement game from Minnesota. This was a we are free of the years of defensive coordinating and our co- our head coach being a defensive guy. They bring in um, an offensive minded head coach, and wow, did they let loose! Kirk Cousins like a, looked like a man transformed. Justin Jefferson was so good. I saw a tweet yesterday from one analyst saying that he will be the the highest paid receiver in the league at some point in the near future, which he probably will be. He was excellent. They And because Dig, um, because Justin Jefferson was so good, he was opening up the, the box to allow running lanes for Cook. Like the, that offense was so multidimensional. That Vikings team really tore apart Green Bay. And I think that's a statement win. And a lot of people, you know, I remember watching um, um, Good Morning Good morning, NFL, with the the football show. And one of the guys predicting that the Vikings were going to win the NFC North. I was like, nah, absolutely not. This is only the Packers. It's always the Packers. Tell you what, I'm I'm, ro- I'm ready to roll back on that already because that Vikings team looked awesome. And where do they come week two? To Philadelphia Monday Night Football. That's going to be a real tasty one, that is. It will be indeed. We're going to get on to looking at week two very, very shortly. But what we'll do, we'll stick those three overreactions for Air Overreaction Monday up on a Twitter poll Get involved. Tell me in the comments that I'm completely crazy. Give us your overreactions to week one as well. It's all a good bit of fun, isn't it? Because um, as you say, we'll be sitting here in three weeks' time. Aaron Rodgers will have thrown 15 touchdown passes and all will be right with the world. But we shall wait and see what actually does transpire. Let's whiz through the rest of the scores that we haven't mentioned from the games that we just haven't yet talked about through the conversations that we've had. Seems a long time ago now, doesn't it, to go all the way back to the season open of Thursday night football. But again, talk about a statement win. Buffalo 31, the Rams 10. Um, statements from both sides here, really. <laughs> Very positive from Buffalo. And again, Josh might want to press his panic button in LA because there was certainly an awful lot of questions that needed answering there. Yeah, yeah. We've mentioned New Orleans, 27-26 over Atlanta. The story really, Atlanta throwing away yet another double-digit lead in the fourth quarter um, as um, the Saints come all the way back to pinch it on a Will Lutz field goal as time expired. Another game-winning field goal was Cade York in Cleveland or at Carolina for Cleveland, 58-yarder for the rookie on his debut. That was his fourth of the day as the Browns just about edge out Baker Mayfield's comeback. 26-24, the Browns beating Carolina. San Francisco, oh, dear, 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 dear. Yes, he was played on a lake. Yes, if, I'll tell you what, you said earlier, if, if, if you had a new fan into the sport watching yesterday, that you'd have had a fan for life. If you had a new fan yesterday watching that game, trying to explain them how on earth that game's allowed to continue to be played. Lovely celebrations at the end. Um, but Chicago winning it 19-10. to 10. I'm going to pause there to bring Josh in because he's dying to make a point. Go on, mate. God, doesn't Trey Lance look awful? Yes. All I could see from that, like, they didn't exactly go to that game a lot on red zone, but any time in which they did and San Francisco are on the ball, I know that it was basically played in a monsoon, and I know that it was played on and all the rest of it, but... You know, you look at Justin Fields against Trey Lance, just that, and Justin Fields looked like a perennial all-star against him. 
And that's Justin Fields. I do not have a high opinion on either, but, you know, his mechanics are all off. He's, you know, you can tell that he's having trouble reading the uh, defense. And I'm just, I'm still very unsure as to why San Francisco decided that this was the year to move on to Lance from Garoppolo. I, I still think that they should have let him do one more year under under Jimmy G. And to be honest, if if that's the sort of you know the the initial the the initial stuff of which we see from. Uh, Trey Lance, then it's going to be a difficult season for San Francisco. And what's going to make life even worse for them now is the fact that Elijah Mitchell is out for eight weeks. Um, you know, that is, that's heavy going. Um, you know, that is, that's a punch in the gut after being punched in the face. You know, so go on, Steve. I know you've been dying to get back at me. I was just going to say, they've just let Trey Sermon go as well. They just cut they just Trey, let Trey Sermon go. Picked up by the Eagles, and now, they've, now they're without Elijah Mitchell for eight weeks. Like, you know, ouch. But I, what I will just quickly say is, um, let's pump the brakes on praising that Chicago offense. In the first half, they were oh, yeah. dreadful. Dreadful. But I'm, I'm the type of guy, let's be honest, those weather conditions were awful. Like, that's a free hit for me. Like, the, that you can't expect anyone to play in those conditions. I don't know how that, that even went ahead. Like, they were they were literally scraping water off the field with brushes at the, before the game began. Like, how that game even went ahead. How there was even touchdowns, I don't know. Like, wild, wild game. But that's the type of thing we love to see. And, yeah, I think, it's to me, it's a free hit. Let's see how he plays back in the sunny San Francisco, um, you know, Levi yeah. Stadium, and see, see how it goes there. If he's the same again next week, then I'll be ready to push the panic button as well. But, you know... In those weather conditions, I'd free it for me. Yeah, let's run through a few more. Uh, Kansas City probably in the blower of the get of the week, 44-21, and a few of those 21 points came in garbage time. Kansas absolutely battering Arizona. Um, we've mentioned Tampa Bay and Dallas 19-3 to Tampa. Philadelphia 38, Detroit 35. Plenty of encouragement here, Steve, in terms of what you saw from the Philadelphia offense. They seemingly certainly can punch the ball in for the one-yard line, right? That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Four rushing touchdowns, one each for each of the three rushing, uh, running backs, and one for Jalen Hurts. So quite a, quite a pleasing uh, stat stat line for the uh, for the rushing attack there. Um, really pleased with what I saw with AJ Brown. I, I said in the group last night, like as a Philadelphia fan who didn't watch him all that much last year and his and his years in the league, I don't think I quite appreciated how good AJ Brown is. He's such a monster. He he runs with so much power, and he's such a he, he yards after car after catch. Sorry, like he's 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 got that ability to catch the ball even in coverage, and then get five, six, seven, eight yards and extend the play, get the first down, move the chains. Like he's such a good player. Alarm from the defense. Like we shouldn't be putting up thirty five points against Detroit, but a win's a win. You could you leave Detroit? It's a win. They were loud yesterday. That Detroit team, I think, is going to do better than some people are giving it. That pass rush was good. Jalen Hurts was given no time, and that's a good Eagles all line. Like no, a lot of people saying the number one all line in the league, and that pass they don't really they didn't really get to Jalen Hurts too much, but they weren't giving him any time at all. So that Detroit team will do better than a lot of people are giving them credit for this year. I think they are. They're, they're limited by Jared Goff, but they will do okay this year. Um, but yeah, positive for the Eagles. Um, get back with a win. Back to uh, back to the link this week to uh, host the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, looking forward to that one Monday night. Let's run through some more Indianapolis-Houston. As we said, a 20-apiece tie. Indianapolis coming back in the fourth quarter to actually force overtime. And obviously, that played out. 
Um, Rodrigo Blankenship missing the chance to win it in overtime. New England 7, Miami 20. Um, statement win for the Dolphins, although they do seemingly own the Patriots these days, it would seem. Um, big win there. Green Bay 7, Minnesota 23. We've covered Baltimore 24, the Jets 9. Um, fairly routine victory this for Baltimore. Um, Joe Flacco throwing 59 times for the Jets. It's 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Flacco still throwing 59 passes. Good Lord. Um, the Giants... In Roethlisberger, but worse. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The Giants 21-20, as we said. But a ballsy call from Dable to go for the win, and it paid off. The Chargers got the big divisional win against the uh, Raiders, 24-19. Justin Herbert looking just as good as advertised. Three touchdown passes on the day. Uh, Jacksonville falling short against the Commanders, 22-28. And the only game that we haven't talked about, and I've deliberately left it till the end, fellas, is the craziness that was Pittsburgh, 23, Cincinnati, 20. And I've got to say, shout out to the boys from Who Day UK who had organised a fan meetup, as Josh alluded to, in Birmingham yesterday. Um, there was a good bunch of Bengals fans in there, and we had some uh, some good conversations and some uh, some friendly banter. It's got to be said um, between the two fan bases. We were all united in our hate of the Steelers, so it was all good. it was all good. But um, fellas, what a crazy game! I mean, how on earth? How on earth they turned the ball over five times? and still should have won this game in regulation, still should have won this game in overtime, and ultimately still find a way to lose it. I mean, this was just crazy, 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 wasn't it? And, Steve, we've talked about him enough. Mike Tomlin just finds a way, doesn't he? And this, as much as anything, was a typical Pittsburgh win, wasn't it? Yeah, gritty, hard-working, defence never gave Jubber any time at all, constantly pressuring the quarterback, the uh, defensive backs were excellent. Um, you know, just a, an, uh, just a classic Steelers performance, I think. That defense, I said it before, we were talking about the Steelers literally last week. I said it before, that Steelers defense is good enough to win them games, and it did. It, you know, it, that's exactly why they won that game. Um, you know, a, a stat I read just before we came on, the, the most games with five-plus sacks over the last five seasons is Steelers with 17 Next team is the Rams and Bucks with 13. So they just get after the quarterback and that's what they do. They'll obviously be rocked with that TJ Watt injury. At the time of recording, we don't know how long he's out for. It sounds like it's going to be a torn peck, which sounds painful as hell. If he needs surgery, I've read that could be a season over. But if he doesn't need surgery, it's going to be six or seven weeks or so. So either way, they're going to be without him for a big period of time. That is a huge loss to that Steelers front. And, you know, whilst they do have a good, you know, they've got a good unit anyway, losing TJ Watt is massive. That's 15 sacks a season, uh, you know, and the rest gone. So if they lose him, if he's gone for the season, that's massive. Um, but yeah, like you said, statement, Tomlin win, um, exactly what you expect for um, uh, for the Steelers. But, you know, yeah, great point from from James there. At what cost? At what cost did that that, that win cost the Steelers? Is that going to be the them handicap for the rest of the season? But what I would just say about the Bengals is I, I love the grittiness and the and the determination from Joe Burrow. He throws four interceptions and still is still slinging that ball. And Jamar Chase had a wonderful catch in the end zone. His touchdown catch was excellent, but also the catch that he was just out of bounds was an incredible mm, shame because he was he was literally millimeters from being in bounds with that second foot. Um, but yeah, I love that greatness from Burrow to just to keep slinging it. Don't be afraid. Don't cower away and go to the run. He just kept slinging it, and 
you know, he, he, they were still successful and shouldn't really. They should have won the game. They really should have. Um, yeah. I don't think it was, you know, the, to, to get five. The, the thing is, the Steelers, they're not going to win the turnover battle by five every week. So they're going to have to find ways to win other, in, in, other, in other ways. But, um, yeah, I don't think that's too much to concern for the Bengals. Yeah, interesting, Josh. Just looking at it from the Bengals' perspective, obviously so much talk in the off-season. They went early into free agency to supposedly fix this offensive line. Yes, the Steelers are a good defence, as we know. Seven sacks, 11 quarterback hits on top of those seven sacks. We keep saying it, Joe Burrow is not going to last if that's the kind of punishment that he's taking week in and week out for as good as all the weapons are. And don't get me wrong, they're, they're an incredibly talented group of weapons that he's got around him. I mean, in terms of that Jamar Chase catch, I mean, you could argue that it should have been probably challenged. To be honest, it was close enough, I think, to have thrown the challenge flag. I mean, obviously, I suppose all's well that ends well. They end up in the end zone a few plays or a few minutes later, you know, but obviously, um, you know, that was another mistake potentially in the game. It was just the Bengals getting in their own way in terms of this one, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean... Realistically, any sort of game against the Steelers, you don't want to give them something early. The Steelers are the kind of team where if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile and then another mile, and that's exactly what happened here. They did all of their, they, they did all of their work early. They were able to build up a lead based on short yardage situations, um, and then just go from there. The Bengals were playing catch-up, and the Steelers' defense, if you are forcing them to pass, the Steelers' secondary love that. You know, they, they have the they have the defensive line to be able to make sure that your pass, passes, passes, passes are uh, questionable, and then they've got the secondary to, to you know, be the proper competition to, to go up for those balls. And that's exactly what happened here. Like you say, seven sacks. It's the first time this offensive line has played, of which is a mitigating factor. But at the end of the day, you're paid millions to be able to block people coming through. You know, you know, they, it it comes down to fundamentals, and they did not cover the fundamentals when it comes to protecting the quarterback. Um, you know, it's not a case of I, I feel like you don't have to bed it in all too much. Um, at the very least, to be able to just cover your edges. And they just didn't seem to do that at all. Eleven QB hits, you know, that's that's a lot of QB hits, especially for what is supposed to be, you know, quality signings coming into this Bengal side. I have no doubt they will be a lot better than this. I think that, you know, realistically, the Steelers have one of the best defensive lines in football. So, yeah, you know, they probably don't have to come under this kind of scrutiny um, as much either. So I think that they will get better as the season progresses, but. You know, you've got to start protecting this guy. You, you, you know, he's a perennial talent, and you, you know he's a perennial talent. And that this is something as well, Kieran. Thank you for bringing this in. Five being Joe's fault, and that's kind of an issue as well, of which he had last year. It's something which I honed on about a lot last year. Is that Joe is his own worst enemy when it comes to sacks. Uh, he did it far too much last year, especially towards the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. He, um, you, you know, it might just be an experience thing. It might be that he just needs to stop being so courageous and actually throw the ball away. I think that with experience, that will end up improving. But for the time being, you know, it just looks like that they they get in their own way, you know. This this was no doubt a Bengals win today. I mean, yesterday, uh, as long as they put the fundamentals in, 
um, you know, to lose five nil on the turnover battle, Steve, like you say, and to be tied going into one minute forty or so in um, at the end of overtime is, you know, just showing the fact that the Steelers are clinging on by a thread, and the threads flipping, fraying at the edges, and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, questions should be asked, and quite rightly too. Yeah, it was certainly an entertaining game. Like you say, plenty of uh, chances to win it for both teams. Ultimately, Boswell did nail the 53-yarder as time expired in overtime to pick up the win. So that's all of the results in so far. There's one game left, of course, though, tonight. Denver against Seattle. So Russell Wilson against his former team. That's the final game of the Pickham's competition in week one. Some bloke called Josh Henwood's leading the full 10 yards mm. pick and league. I must, must meet him someday. He obviously knows what he's on about. But uh, thank you for everyone that's joined. Make sure you get your picks in um, ahead of week two because that will very soon be with us, fellas, because we are starting things off, of course, on Thursday night football. Great to have that back, isn't it? And it's a good one this week as well, isn't it? Chargers and Chiefs kick off the week. But, fellas, give us a game that you're looking forward to throughout the week. You might be that one. I don't know. Josh, start us off. What game are you looking forward to in particular? In Stupidly enough, I put Chiefs Chargers, as it <laughs> so happens. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this one for me is the one that really is um, the, the, the one to circle. Just because both teams have started off quite brightly. It's... Um, you know, two great passing offences going at it. The Chargers seem to have a wealth of talent now, and it's a case of will they put that together into a team that can challenge. I felt like they had a really good start against the Raiders. Tapered off towards the end, as we've seen with quite a few teams so far, whereas the Chiefs yesterday was just a crushing machine. You know, they they gave the Cardinals no quarter whatsoever. So I think you're going to see a really high-scoring game. I think you're going to see Mahomes and Herbert just slug it off together. It's going to be. It's not something which you see a lot of early season passing offenses getting it done. But I think that we're going to be treated to that on Thursday night. Yeah, it's certainly got the makings of, of a good one, hasn't it? And obviously, we've talked a lot in this off-season about how competitive and tight that particular division is going to be. Uh, and how important these interdivisional games are. So, you know, absolutely crucial for either of them to come out on the right side of it. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the Chiefs particularly impressive in, in week one, weren't they? Um, and obviously with home field advantage, they'll fancy their chances of getting it done. Steve, what game are you looking forward to, mate? You're going to pick Monday Night Football by any chance? <laughs> I have to. I really didn't want to. I wanted to try and find a team that wasn't my own. But I think that Monday Night Football game is, is such a tasty matchup. Eagles against the Vikings, both coming off wins, off, off impressive wins. Eagles because of the amount of points they scored and the Vikings because they took down the mighty Packers. Um, you know, and the Vikings come into town as a, as a early NFC North potential upset favorite. Uh, you know, favorite to win that division. Um, and I think if the Vikings do come away from Philadelphia with the win, they become the team to beat in the NFC North and and potentially one of the NFC sort of top dogs. I know we're in two weeks in; it's early to be talking all that sort of thing. But you know, two impressive wins is that what that would be? Whereas Philadelphia got business done in, in Detroit. It was ugly at times. It wasn't great, but they got business done. They left points on the field, and I think the Vikings probably should have the game should have been closer we talked about how some of they, they should have conceded at least one if not two touchdowns and they didn't because of the the green bay receivers so there's definitely points to be got out against that vikings team um it'll be interesting to see how they handle a better offensive line because that packers all line was was hurt and was was depleted and obviously they had their fun with it um, and i think the eagles all line will be a better test for them to see how that pass rush is working 
But um, yeah, be in, you know that, that I think it's going to be two passing offenses that are going to that are going to um, dominate, and I think it's going to be decided on the ground. You know, the Eagles game is very different to the, the Vikings game. The Vikings game go to a, a strong, hardy Dalvin Cook who tears up. Uh, yards on the field, whereas the Eagles spread the ball around and sometimes even just keep it with Jalen Hurts. So, real interesting one. I think it could be a battle of whoever can stop the run. Um, but yeah, real real test for both teams. And I think I think these two could be teams that will be there at the end in the in the sort of NFC um, final seven, and and certainly could potentially both be divisional winners. And I think whoever wins this game will be you know favourite to win their division. I think. Yeah, it's certainly a, a tasty one. Interesting scheduling quirk, isn't it? We've got a double header Monday night football, but the game's on at the same time, which is very strange because you've not mm. only got Eagles Vikings on Monday night, you've also got Bills Titans on Monday night as yeah. well. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Bills Titans yeah. kicking off an hour and fifteen minutes earlier, so not quite sure what the league are doing there. But there you go. Um, I'm picking out the Ravens and the Dolphins. Um, I think these are two teams that are going to be in and around the playoff conversation come the end of the season. You know, potentially. You know, I think I've made my view on the Ravens quite clear. I think they potentially will be the AFC North winners. But, you know, for a lot of people, these two teams are potentially division winners. But if not division winners, certainly going to be sneaking into wildcard conversations. So, again, big, important matchup. And they both had relatively straightforward week one. So, neither team necessarily have we got a handle on at this stage. I think they both had relatively straightforward victories. The Ravens, obviously, against the Jets and the Dolphins against the Patriots, who never seemingly got out of um, of second gear. Um, really, really interesting matchup to see how good both of these teams are. Um, I think there's quite a few good games on Sunday. We've got Saints and Bucks, um, another um, divisional battle, um, which will be a good one. Um, can the Packers get back on track there? The Sunday night football against the Bears, Jaguars, Colts in the AFC South. Can we get two ties consecutively for the Colts? <laughs> I'd still love it to be no AFC no, AFC South team with a win after two weeks. That'll be incredible. I'm, I'm willing that draw, although Steve says they should be outlawed. But look, it'll be great fun. There'll be plenty more chaos, more big plays, more missed kicks. It's what we love. It's great to have it back, isn't it, as we've said throughout the course of the week. Make sure you get your pick'em selections in. Follow full 10 yards throughout the week for all of your NFL and college football coverage. Uh, the team pumping out lots of great stuff now. The season is back, um, so keep your eyes peeled to all of the social channels to get all of your content throughout the course of the week. The three of us will be back, however, next week to review how week two all went down. Looking forward to it already, chaps. Um, like I say, week one in the books. It's been a blast. Let's do it again for the next 17 weeks. Sound like a deal, chaps? Yeah. Jolly Let's good. get it. Jolly good. Until then, this has been the Full 10 Yards Podcast, and we will see you soon.